Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hello. Hi, Amy. Hi. Andrea Smith, technology Hello. guru extraordinaire. Hello. Hello. <laughs> today on the show, we're going to have a special guest who has been on before. It's like encore. Um, Kim Moldovsky of The Maker Mom in themakermom.com, but she's not here talking about STEM this week. Nope. She is going to be joining us for our college series and talking about all things college. And I think we're going to focus today on paying for college and what that looks like and how to build your list around possibilities and expanding your list and all that good stuff. Um, So that's going to be our segment today. And then we will have our bites of the week. So I'm going to jump right in. We have Kim on the phone with us. Hi, Kim. Hi, how are you? Good. It's so good to have you on again. Glad to be here. In a totally different context. Right. Well, kids grow, you know, our focus <laughs> changes as they grow. Well, now you're like making adults. <laughs> you're like, yeah. you've made adults, I should say. <laughs> I'm working at it. I do feel like it's funny because I joke that my older son, who is uh, going to be a junior in college in the fall that he's earned several adulting badges in the last year. <laughs> Which ones is he doing laundry? I hope. <laughs> oh yeah. No, he started that before, well before he left home. Uh, but just dealing with awkward roommate situations, getting jobs, finding a research assistantship on campus, things like that. Oh, those are big. We might have to do another episode, like how to, <laughs> how to your adulting child, <laughs> like how to get them adulting. <laughs> Listen, um, I just realized my my son was adult, uh, and he's 28 now, but he was adult because <laughs> it was the first year he not only sent me beautiful Mother's Day flowers, but they were the, exactly the flowers. Like he wrote, you know, these are the ones you had in your garden in Ridgewood, but he couldn't remember the name of them. But it was like that, that moment that I realized, hey, I raised a really thoughtful kid, you know? So awesome. <laughs> yeah, okay, but it took I'm a while. Sorry. I'm going to brag on my son again then, because for Mother's Day, uh, he got me, he funded a Donors Choose project on for Chicago Public School that was looking for Ozobots, these tiny robots for their classrooms. Oh. That I thought was super sweet and thoughtful, and he knows it's something I'm passionate about. So Aww. That's cool. That's, That's nice. nice. Boy, I didn't have that Mother's Day experience at all. I actually sent a link to my daughter of what I wanted and said, when dad asks what I want for Mother's Day, you're going to show him the Cuisinart 11 cup. (laughs) That's what I want. Fruit processor. And I got flowers. Perfectly nice. And I kept thinking, maybe the Cuisinart's hidden somewhere. (laughs) Right. And I came home. And so I said to my daughter afterwards, I'm like, what happened? She's like, he never asked. I'm like, oh, my God, you're supposed to tell him. (laughs) No, you have to be more specific with kids. They're not going to get that. But Rebecca, I actually took your advice. And on Mother's Day, when my husband was like, I didn't get you anything. I was like, oh, no problem, because I want the new Instant Pot the moment it comes out. And I want to bring the old one to our upstate house. And he was like, okay, fine on the first one. Let me think about the second one. And I was like, no, no, no. It's Mother's Day. It's just, it's, <laughs> I'm just thinking. Anything, so, yeah, so that, that's that's what it's going to be. So thank you for planting that in my head, Rebecca, because now You're I get welcome. instant pots in both houses. I'm always looking out for you and you're ready to buy more stuff, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Kim, I wanted to say, like, I, I don't think people realize. So you have the Maker Mom and that's going strong. But the college thing, I mean, I think you tell me if I'm right or wrong, but like has grown out of your firsthand experience. You have your first son who's going to be a junior and you have your second son who is now 
graduating from high school and will be entering college in the fall. Um, Correct. And so you have real firsthand experience, which I value. <laughs> and your sons are going to very different places, both out of state. Yes. Um, and I know you've been doing these Facebook lives now where people can sort of throw you these questions because you have this firsthand um, experience and expertise now. So I want to jump right in with you. First of all, I want to know what are the big questions you're getting from parents who are starting this process or in the middle of this process? Sure. Well, I started doing the Facebook live chats because people were asking me questions, sending me messages and talking to me in real life. And I thought, well, let's just have some public conversations. Of course, a big one is always money. Uh, what school is going to cost and and what you should do or what your responsibility is as a parent. And I will say your mileage may vary. Just as with any other advice you've been given as a parent throughout the years, it really depends on your family, your circumstances, your child. Um, in our circumstances, both of my boys had opportunities for really great merit scholarship. So a merit scholarship is apart from any financial aid that the child might receive. Um, so there's there's different types of aid. There's grants, there's loans. Uh, schools are very eager to offer loans. Uh, getting the actual scholarship that does not need to be paid back is a little more challenging. But again, fortunately, both of my boys had great opportunities. And indeed, they're both receiving full tuition scholarships. Uh, and that played a big role in wow. them choosing the schools that they chose. That's incredible. That is just unbelievable. Thank That's you. like the hugest gift they can give you. Right. No kidding. Uh, so, right. It, you know, that was a big thing. We're fortunate, again, they each had uh, some nice amount of money in their 529 funds, their college funds, but neither one of them had an amount that would get them four years of, of school, pretty much wherever they went, you know, unless they were at community college, uh, which community college is a great place for kids to start save their money, get their gen ed credits out of the way, and move on to the institution of their choosing if they do well. So back, back to the bigger issues of money. After my last Facebook chat, somebody chimed in with a comment, what do you do if your kid visits a school they love and then realize it's out of your budget? That didn't happen for us. And, and again, I don't have answers for anybody because everyone's situation is different, but here are some questions that any parent can consider. So the questions that I would throw back are, what did the child love about it? And can you find that elsewhere? So many colleges and universities in the United States and more students are looking out of the country too. So it's there, what did they love and can that be replicated or found elsewhere? Are there merit scholarship or need-based financial aid packages with grants that don't have to be repaid? Or are there loans that might make it feasible? Another question is, do they love it so much that they'd be willing to go the community college route for a couple of years so that then they could afford their dream school? Uh, are there work-study opportunities that will make it affordable? Are they willing to take out loans to attend? And are you willing to co-sign those loans or are you willing to take out their own, your own loans for your child? Is the child headed for a financially lucrative career? Uh, and again, it's important to note that many students change their majors over the course of their time in college. I believe it's something of like one third. So even if your child goes in thinking they're going to study engineering or computer science, what happens if in their first couple of years they accrue 
20, 30, $40,000 of debt and then decide that's not the major for them? Or what if they drop out altogether and they still have this huge amount of debt and no degree? Another question to ask is, will your child, are they likely to attend grad school? And is it better to save the money for that? And the advice we always heard on that is sort of that the last school your child attends is the most important. So if they think they're going to go to grad school, try and save up for that pricier name, name brand. But for undergrad, it might not be an issue. You know, I love that idea of figure out what it is that your kid loves about a school, because I think for a lot of kids, um, it just matters on who gave the tour that day. Yeah, <laughs> You know, like anything, if you get a dud tour guide, it's like, it totally affects you and, and vice versa. If you get this fabulous tour guide, you might be overlooking other things and you're sort of awed by this tour. And then there's the name thing. Yeah. I think there are kids who are very hung up on that and aren't they can't articulate what else they like about it. Um, but it's that and not in parents too. Yeah. There are parents, you know, parents are plenty guilty of this as well. Absolutely. Sometimes the parents more so than the child. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the schools, my younger son, who is headed to be an engineering major, most likely mechanical, possibly aerospace. One of his, uh, the schools on his list was Michigan, which is an University of Michigan is an amazing engineering school. Uh, fabulous reputation. And, but for an out of state student, it's also really pricey. Mm -hmm. So I just asked him why Michigan was on his list and what he was looking for. And honestly, all he could say was, Oh, it's a good school. I I said, don't put it on there. (laughs) Like if you can't tell me that they're doing a certain kind of research or there's this amazing professor or competitions that their engineering students are involved in, if you can't tell me anything about the school, then and it's going to be a pricey one, then that doesn't belong on your list. Call, call me the right, particularly a school like Michigan, right. Right, where they have so many out of state kids applying, they don't give any merit aid to out of state kids. They just don't need right. to. So that's another thing. When you look at these elite schools, they don't need to offer merit aid. So they don't. Um, and so if you're basing your search, uh, if a key piece of that is affordability, then these these elite schools aren't going to be a good fit in that category. That said, you know, once a student is at a school for a couple of years, some, and they've proven themselves, sometimes there are departmental scholarships. Uh, students can do things like be an RA once they're an upperclassman, or maybe you just need to be a sophomore. When you're an RA, you typically get free room and board in exchange for your services as an RA. So that that's a huge chunk. Um, my younger son, his room and board for freshman year was like twelve dollars to $14,000, something like that. Uh, so even though he got free tuition, it was like the most expensive dorm we had ever seen. And he had to, it was honors housing and he had to live in the honors housing. Um, so, you know, that nest egg goes, even if it's not going toward tuition, when you look into things like fees and, and room and board, that can, that can take a big chunk of the budget right there. Right. I don't think people consider that. That's when people hear about like, you know, in in New York, the fact that families making under, I don't know if it's a hundred thousand dollars, won't have to pay tuition, but the room and board is so extraordinarily expensive at even the state schools that it it doesn't, it doesn't begin to address the issue of people not being able to afford it. Right. Well, and I want to, I want to bring back the elite schools for a second because several of them, uh, notably Yale, uh, Stanford, 
they have a limit of, I think it's around $125,000 that if the family's income is less than $125,000, they typically give very generous breaks on tuition. And I think if your family earns less than like 60, then tuition is completely waived. So again, you need to, that's, that's something to research. Uh, so these elite schools that aren't giving merit aid, your family might have a decent income a healthy middle or you know upper middle class income and you might still qualify for those aid subsidies uh, but generally if your family is making one hundred and twenty five thousand uh, dollars you're not going to qualify for a whole lot of financial aid at the state schools um, so uh, typically the right. state schools have a lower sticker price and the private schools a lot of people get scared away because the private school sticker price is so expensive but I know very few people who have paid full sticker price, even if their kids were not standout students. And I will mention that for my own boys, they did not go through school with straight A's. They went through school with a challenging workload and they got good you know, A's and B's, but not straight A's. They took AP tests, but they did not get fives on all of their AP tests. Uh, they didn't get perfect SAT scores or perfect ACT scores. So I know there's a lot of pressure that your child has to fully achieve in every area in order to wind up with a great scholarship. And that's not, that's not the case. Right. And sometimes the reverse too. Sometimes your poor kid could be killing themselves for all of that. And in the end, it's not, it just doesn't matter. Like that, that kind of gradation Um, it's just not that important. Yeah. So you can look, um, you can Google freshman class profile and the name of any college or university, and you'll get a sense of what their last, it's either a year or two behind what their freshman profile was like in terms of the average ACT scores, the average SAT scores, uh, ethnic breakdown and different statistics. So if you're looking for a place where your child is going to stand out on a merit basis, even though they're not the top of the class AP straight A student, look and see like, oh, okay, this school's average ACT is 23. So if your kid got a 26, they're going to be above average for that school or 28, even better, you know? So look, uh, parents can look at that kind of thing. There are some schools who flat out say, if your child gets this, ACT score and has this grade point average, we will give you a scholarship of half tuition off or full tuition. And that's my younger son is headed to the University of Alabama at Huntsville, which is the smaller, I think it's a little bit more engineering uh, school in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, and he, they, they have, you know, if you get this ACT score and this GPA, you automatically will get tuition and housing. So that was kind of. Huh. I had no idea that yeah. existed. So that's something. Uh, Miami of Ohio has something similar. I don't know what their cutoff is because my son didn't look at that, but I know that was one of the many postcards that landed in our house. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait! I'm supposed to look at those? Oh man, they have all just been going right into recycling. It's a massive recycling. Effort. Yeah, I mean, there is so much mail that comes into these kids. Uh, it's just incredible. Um, so the and another thing to look at, there's a couple of resources as far as college costs. One is the College Board Cost Calculator. Another one is uh, the U.S. Department of Education Net Price Calculator. 
And the other one, which I think is really helpful, is the US Department of Education College Scorecard. That one allows visitors to sort and filter their search results, and it makes it easy to compare schools. Now, those won't take merit aid into account, but they will give you a sense of, are people at your income level getting financial aid at the school, and what is the average tuition that someone in your, you know, close to your family's situation will receive. And it does matter how many kids you have in school at once. That I know because I have twins. Um, So I've been told many times by many people, the only break you're ever going to get in life is that you (laughs) had twins. I'm like, no, I also only had to do one bat mitzvah. So (laughs) these are my two things, one bat mitzvah and and they're both in college at the same time. Um, (laughs) So, but that is a big um, factor for people because that, idea, right, of what your expected family contribution is, that's what it is. And then that should be, right, colleges can do whatever they want, but technically, like, that's the lump sum you're expected to pay, and then you get kind of divided up among the kids. Yeah. Um, Theoretically. So uh, you probably (laughs) talked about the FAFSA, or you know about the FAFSA, that's the financial aid form that everyone has to do. Um, And a friend of mine said, you know, that's like having somebody showing your bank account to you know, to the government. Uh, A lot of private schools also have this form. I think it's called the CSS. We did it for my older son, but not my younger one. And a friend said, that's like showing them your checkbook and your wallet and emptying the change out of your purse and then having them shake you upside down to see what falls out of your pockets. Uh, So they really want to make sure that they're giving their money wisely. Um, And I want to say something about uh, Alabama in particular. They are at Uh, a place where they're really trying to attract top students around the country. And so they have a very aggressive merit aid program right now, which was what attracted my son uh, for sure. (laughs) That was the big thing. Um, But there was actually an article a few weeks ago in the Chicago Tribune about Alabama poaching Illinois for top students. Uh, Our University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana, our flagship state school offers no merit aid. Um, And for people, for families like mine, that winds up costing about, for engineering, it winds up costing around $35,000 a year for tuition. Uh, So if my kids can get something comparable and have their college fund either cover school, come close to covering undergrad, or maybe even leave them with a little bit of bonus, then we think that's that's a smart decision. And even if it doesn't work out, we're not dipping so far into the college fund that it will make other options unavailable in the future. Right. I guess that's something to think about. I mean, I think if people haven't set up a 529, it's never too late, right? You can contribute to it the whole time they're in school. Like if your state gives you a yeah. tax break, that's just money you're passing up. Um, even if you just put a little bit in every month, it's shocking how it builds. Grandparents can put money in. Definitely help. My my niece is headed off to college and um, they were looking at Syracuse. She was looking at Syracuse where I went to school. And my cousin called and said, oh my God, she got in, she got in. And it's $75,000. I mean, I can't even imagine today looking at that and thinking $75,000 for tuition and room and board. And I think for most kids, especially kids who aren't getting scholarships based on their academic achievement, you've got to have some sort of scholarship from the school or something that contributes to that because that's, that's just, those are so out of reach for people. 
Well, are most people paying sticker price? Like, I've never been through this. I went to a state school. I don't really know how this works. Like, does anybody pay that amount? I Again, in my experience, very few people do. And whether it's a departmental scholarship or I, I don't even know. You know, it, it's not necessarily a full scholarship. But it seems like a lot of schools will have scholarships that bring the ultimate tuition cost cost down to something comparable to your state school. Again, our, our, our state school, I don't think is a huge, uh, there are other options in state that are more affordable. I don't think ours is such a big deal, but it's also relative. Uh, there was a private school that my older son had applied to that probably would have been around 60,000 a year, I would say. And he got a note saying that he got a scholarship that was worth I don't know, twenty five or thirty thousand dollars. And we thought, okay, well that still leaves a big chunk of money, you know, on the table that we need to cover. Uh and so we thought, okay, well, this is still thirty thousand dollars a year. I had another friend whose child got the same scholarship at the same school and she was thrilled. You know, she was like, Oh, my daughter got this amazing scholarship. Um, and so some of it is in the eye of the the beholder. But when you hear something like Oh, 85% of our students get some sort of financial, uh, you know, merit aid, then your mind should sort of flip to, oh, this school's probably $60,000 a year or more, you know? Uh, so the more expensive a school is, the more aid they're going to be giving. It's really confusing. That's where these net price calculators can come in handy or the college scorecard, uh, because it is, it is really confusing. There's so many factors that seem to come into play. And uh, it, every every child is bringing a little something different to the table. I know, for example, my son competed in robots in a robotics league throughout high school. And there are certain schools, if you're going to study engineering and you participated in the robotics league, that can lead to an automatic scholarship of anywhere from like two to $10,000. So if your child, and, and there are also, you know, kids can get scholarships for things other than sports. So there are debate scholarships. Uh, so, you know, finding that thing, that fit of, you know, what what is there for your child. It's so interesting to me because I think, you know, initially your whole focus is just this fear of the process of getting in, right? Like, and then price becomes this secondary daunting thing. But as soon as that getting in process ends, right. price is all it's about. <laughs> Um, I mean, for, you know, for 99% of us. Um, and so, you know, I wonder sometimes, because one of the things I see about parents, I, I mean, I had friend, a lot of friends who went through this this year. So sort of my first group of real yeah. friends who went through this and they were so focused on the getting in. I mean, it was all consuming. It was kind of horrible. Um, and, you know, to see that, that other conversation take place about price because their kids were so yeah. focused on getting in that they didn't, they just didn't think about it. So when the reality of like what one school will cost over another, but now they had their heart set on that school that you were all like cheering and screaming that they got into. Um, and then you're like, Ooh, <laughs> wait a second. Yeah. That other school that's pretty much the same, but now isn't the one that we were screaming and cheering about gave you a lot more money it's that's it's well, I really think it's hard. Really important to start these conversations early on because if you're not having this conversation about, oh, we're so proud of you for getting in, but we can't afford it until the spring of senior year, that is, 
I mean, it's already stressful because your kid is itching to get out of the house or, uh, you know, there's all sorts of separation going on. Right. And then to add, drop a bombshell like that is hard. And that's really unfair to the child. So I think it is important that as you start looking at colleges, you kind of talk about expectations. What do you expect your student to contribute, even if it's maybe you can cover tuition and room and board, but they need their own spending money, or maybe they need to chip in for a chunk of tuition. Um, have those discussions now so that when it comes down to making the choice, you know, they're informed. Um, and I also- I was just gonna say, I mean, this is one thing, obviously my son is, is done with this. We went through the whole process. And one of the things, we live in suburban New Jersey, you know, so the high schools really pride themselves on every kid getting into a really great, college, you know, so that they can put that on their uh, boasting, you know, the, their achievements. Um, and I have to say, there were a lot of kids, yeah. and my son included, who really would have benefited from a year at a community college. You know, I understand the whole get out of mom's house, move out, be on your own. But I feel like a year of community college taking all the requirements that you have to take somewhere else, you know, at all that money, um, and maybe getting your scores up, getting your grades up, and then reapplying to the schools you really, really wanted to get into, or maybe getting a little more financial aid. I think there's such a stigma for kids about going to community college for a year, when in retrospect, I honestly think it would have been the best thing for my son. Yeah, well, I do think there's this romantic notion that they'll go somewhere and stay there for four years and find their lifelong friends. You know, uh, I think a lot of parents have their own preconceived notions. But the book that I recommend, like a broken record, is Frank Bruni's book, Where You Go Is Not Who huh. You'll Be, which is really, as the title says, you'll be okay. <laughs> like, you'll be okay. Your school, you know, we have as a society, we sort of fetishize these Ivy League schools and you know, if you go to, if you're a Harvard graduate and you're quoted in an article, it's going to say, you know, Andrea Smith, Harvard graduate. Uh, but if you go to the University of Oklahoma, it's just going to say Andrea Smith. It's not going to attribute that. Um, but people graduate from state schools. People graduate from small private schools. There are so many small private colleges. Um, and we just don't know about them and they don't get the attention from our society. But I think Bruni's book is not only good for parents, I think it's also a good read for teenagers. And again, a good read before they're in this situation where they find out they can't go to their dream school. Um, Based on your recommendation, actually, I bought it for my daughters yeah. and they yeah. devoured it over Christmas break. Like literally, <laughs> they did like a three hour, both of them, like it was one and then the other. And they just devoured it. And both of them felt like it should yeah. be the required summer reading at their high school, definitely yeah. before junior year, but really before sophomore, because yeah. they're already feeling the pressure in sophomore year because the APs kick in, you know, all that stuff. And they were like, why isn't this on the summer reading list? Yeah, like, they should talk to their school about that. No brainer. That is, that would be a great idea. I mean, that said, they're still teenagers yeah. and they're still idealistic. So even if you front loaded this, that doesn't mean there won't right. be tears and drama. Um, again, based on the experience of pretty much every parent I know, there will be tears and drama, and some of it might actually be from your teen. <laughs> or the parent. Because uh, it's, right, yeah, a lot of it will be, like, it. it is stressful regardless of how involved or how uninvolved you try to be. Uh, 
you know, some kids will really dive into this and know what they want to do and where they want to go and, and check everything off their list. And other kids will need a lot of prodding. They suddenly get very tired. They get hungry. They get crabby. They can't, you know, they just can't focus on it. Um, and the deadlines, you know, start ticking away. So it, it can be stressful. And, uh, those parents who say, oh, it was really a wonderful special time when we did this. Uh, I envy them. That is certainly not a book I can write. Oh, it was the worst. And I was the biggest nag. It was awful. Yeah. I was the biggest nag. And then I hear Amy, who never nags her kids. She's like, well, if they don't get their thing written, it's up to them. And I'm going, God, I could never. I was constantly saying, did you write your essay? Did you do this? Did you do this? You got to do it. And I feel like it's such a stressful situation for parents and kids. I saved the nagging for my husband. No, you'll, you'll save the nagging for your younger child. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. what happens too, is some kids just naturally take care of stuff on their own and some kids don't. And it's so true. it just depends on what you have. Um, and yeah, it's, it's tough. Well, thank you so much because this was, I think, hugely informative. I'll put links to all of those, the calculators, the everything. Um, yeah, I think this is just, probably an ongoing conversation, but thank you. You're welcome. As, whatever questions you have, know that there are many other parents out there with the same questions. So I think as you explore different aspects of this, it's really helpful to a lot of parents out there. Yeah. Well, thank you, Cam. It was always great to have you on. Yeah. And we will thank you. be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. Amy, what you got? Okay, so we don't usually do a lot of recipes for our bites. Um, In fact, I think the last one was that uh, Melissa Clark corn pasta that Rebecca recommended, which was amazing. (laughs) Oh, my God, it's so good. Um, I'm going to link to that one again because it's that good. (laughs) But a couple of weeks ago, my daughter had her birthday, and I asked her what kind of cake she wanted, and she said coconut cake. I had no idea she even had ever had it before, but that's what she wanted. And I had never made one. So I started searching recipes and looking at all these different recipes. And then I found one on the Food Network website from Ina Garden. And it had five sticks of butter, five extra large eggs, and a pound of cream cheese. I was like, there's no way this can't be good. So (laughs) I made it for her birthday. And it was hands down the best cake I've ever ever made in my life. If you like coconut, if you like cream cheese, you have to make this. And I think I convinced like half of my Facebook friends to make it that weekend too, because I was talking about it so much. So I'll post a link to this, but honestly, if you, if you just Google Ina Garten coconut cake, it'll be right there. She's the best. She is. I saw her once in East Hampton at a diner and I almost like totally lost it. And I was like, I have, with, can't <laughs> with, with Jeffrey, with Jeffrey, oh. of course with Jeffrey. And I was like, all right, don't, don't embarrass her. Don't embarrass yourself. <laughs> <laughs> She's just sitting there in our neighborhood diner. I was like, I love you. Um, all right, Andrea, what you got? Okay. So I found these really cute little Bluetooth speakers. And I know I always feel like Bluetooth speakers are a dime a dozen, especially the big ones. But I was at an event in the city last week and I found these little teeny, they're maybe like two, two and a half inches in diameter. That's how teeny they are. Um, And it's called 
my audio pet. So they're for some of them are for kids and they're like different animal shapes like monkeys and you know Aww. puppies and pandas and they're 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 awfully cute and they're like 30 bucks and they're little Bluetooth speakers. But what I love is they also make a grown-up version of this. It's called Wood You Listen, and it's made completely of beautiful wood, um, and it's got this wood carving on top, and you can get one, and I've brought it and just had, you know, just that time where you just want to hear some music out of your phone, but you don't want to hear it out of your phone. You'd like some better sound. It's got great sound, or you can get two of them that play stereo sound uh, for 70 bucks. One of them, I believe, is just 40 bucks. But it's just really, I think it makes such a great gift for somebody because it's just this beautiful little wood carved design that sits on your desk. It plays pretty good sound for the size and um, six hours of battery life. So conversion and adult version. Yeah, it's fun. Oh, wait, and the kid one, the kid one has a remote selfie function. (laughs) <laughs> so while you're playing music, you can hit it and take selfies with your phone. Hmm. Wow. That's like the whole package. <laughs> That's the <laughs> right whole package. There. Your little monkey that takes selfies of you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Kim, what do you have? So, well, first of all, I want to say, I think I gained three pounds just reading about Amy's <laughs> coconut cake. And then afterwards, because we are Facebook friends, I kept getting pop-ups in my feed about different coconut cake <laughs> recipes, uh, none of which I've tried. But my my bite of the week is the whole Yanni Laurel oh thing. Oh, my gosh. Have you tried yes. that? Yes. That is crazy because I heard it and I was like, no, all I hear is Yanni. I only heard Laurel. I don't know how anyone can hear anything else. And then I heard it again and all I could hear was Laurel. And I know with an optical illusion, you can often switch back and forth between seeing both, you know, both sides of what you're looking at. And I cannot, it's so frustrating that I can't, I can hear one or the other, but I can't willingly tune in to one or the other. I think it's so weird. I don't even understand it. My husband heard Laurel on his phone. And then today on one of the morning shows, they played it. And he was like, oh, now through the TV, it's totally Yanni. And I was like, no, it's not. I'm like, it's only Laurel. (laughs) No, I had the same experience. I heard it on my computer as Laurel. And I heard it on TV this morning as Yanni. Yeah. And I, my husband and I heard opposite things. And I said, you know, that's why, that's how we can go on vacation together and come back and tell completely right? different stories about our vacation because we're obviously experiencing the world quite differently. Well, it is so funny because now when my husband's like, you didn't tell me about that, I can be like, yes, I did. You just don't hear my frequency. Like, right, there you go. Tune in better. <laughs> oh my God, that's so weird. Yeah, for people who haven't tried it, we definitely, I don't even know where we link to it. I don't even know what you do, but it's totally bizarre. It's, you know what, if you're on Facebook, someone will post it on Facebook. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, my bite this week is an article in Vanity Fair, which is, I think the only article in the entire issue that's not about the royal wedding, oh. uh, which I'm sorry to say, <laughs> I so don't care about. Yeah, um, me neither. But it's a really crazy article called To Catch a Cat Killer. And it's about the serial cat killer in London that has killed, oh. whoever it is, has killed killed 450 pets pets you're gonna so make not, me cry yes not not wild cats not feral like house pets oh. um and all over london and now it's gone up to like manchester and they can see that it's in this circular pattern off the main highway scotland yard is involved 
but it's a crazy story because what they know is that a lot of serial killers start out killing and mutilating animals. So they know, they pretty much suspect this person's going to escalate to humans. That is so creepy. Uh, At some point. It is so creepy and so awful because it's just, I mean, that's so many animals and it's obviously so purposeful and so, and it's really brutal. Um, So it's just like this crazy true crime story that has really high stakes um, because of what they think this person could potentially do um but they have no no idea they they the person's no clues no nothing so it's a crazy good story and truly the only non-royal story in the entire issue <laughs> um usually every issue is about trump now which is also why i can't stand vanity fair because it's like enough already but this 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 month was all royals um so that is our show for today thanks kim thanks again for joining us yeah this was fun thanks for having me you're welcome Bye. Bye. Thanks, Andrea. Thanks, Amy. Have a good week, guys. Yep. And for our listeners, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe on ParentingBites.com and on Facebook.com slash ParentingBites. And until next week. Bye. Bye.